We say good morning. Great to be here. And uh, we are actually going to be uh, dealing with the Gospel of Luke in chapter 2, which happens to be really the Christmas story. So we get to continue on with Christmas. We just don't have to quit on uh, December 25th, do we? Uh, Actually, that story never gets old. The birth of Christ into this sinful world so that He could save sinners. That's the best news in the world, isn't it? That's the Gospel. And uh, so, as we continue to uh, look at this Gospel of Luke, uh, we see that uh, Luke continues to uh, speak to his friend, Theophilus, if you uh, remember. And he's actually telling him what a time we live in. Look what happened within this time of of, uh, turmoil for the nation of Israel. And then this happens with Christ. And all the prophecies that were about His birth have been fulfilled. I mean, that's rather incredible. So they've come to pass. And at one time, we know that they uh, were a great empire, Israel was, in their own sense, in, in their world. Uh, but there was a greater empire, and as the Roman Empire, and they had taken uh, everybody captive in a sense, um, even though it was um, a time of peace, it was the Pax Romana, at the same time, you were not your own country, and Israel was not that. So the plan of God just continues to unfold even though Israel is not reigning as their own, own nation. And uh, at this time, we know the story begins in Luke with the angel appearing to Zechariah. And uh, the news that happened there while he was at the temple. And of course, she is going to give birth to uh, John the Baptist. Uh, Elizabeth will. Gabriel then appeared uh, with his angelic appearance a second time to Mary and that she would conceive and give birth to a son. That was very unlikely. Uh, for something like that to happen. And uh, Mary was told that her son would be the Son of the Most High. Um, And this son was going to be born because Mary was going to be a virgin conceiving and she says, how can this be? And we know that nothing is impossible with God. Uh, So from the outset, you see all these unlikely events unnatural events. They were supernatural events. And uh, it curtails the biological processes when you think of birth. All those were changed. And of course, angels appearing in the way that they did. And we should not be surprised by this, but yet, at the same time, this is real. This is happening. What would happen if uh, that came into our world today? Those kind of unlikely things. Uh, it would be hard to believe, wouldn't it? Well, these things actually went on. And uh, we know that nothing is impossible with God. Yes, He does do it in a supernatural way. Um, the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem. That was told. It was foretold um, 500 years before it happened. And so we have yet another appearance in our story today of an angel, an appearance of many angels, as a matter of fact, a multitude of angels. The thing is, we've heard this story before, and here it is a few weeks after Christmas, and you think, well, this should be the message that we should have done December 25th. Well, maybe it's pretty good 
as far as God's timing is, is concerned, that it's not on that day because have you ever really thought about the birth of Christ? Of course you have, but most of the time you think of it around Christmas time. But this is one of the most amazing stories in all of history of mankind that God would come to earth in this way. And so there's a wonder of the story. So there's an advantage of doing this, what is it, two weeks now after Christmas? There's this advantage of this, this happening. Is it three weeks? What, what day is today? I'm all messed up because we weren't here last week. Uh, but anyway, we are outside really the context of Christmas time. And so now maybe it will help us put our focus on the wonders of this birth. And of course, there probably have been people that preached this familiar text outside of Christmas time. But most of the time, that's when it's done. Uh, we have the sentiment of the season and such. And of course, that's all touchy and such. But you really start to thinking about this real story here that happened. I think it uh, is amazing. And uh, something that we believe. It's best news in the world. I mean, we don't hear too many good news stories, but here's the best news in the world. He's come to save sinners. That's God. And so... Um, we know that there are people in dire straits and they're in darkness and they are standing before a holy God in eternal destiny. If they don't have a Savior, what do they have? They have nothing. So there's the great hope. So we uh, read this familiar story about the Savior born in the city of David. It's in Bethlehem. Some people could yawn and say, that's nice, what's for lunch? <laughs> I've heard this, I already know. But there's a desperate situation here that we want to grab as Jesus comes on the scene. And I think we sometimes fail to appreciate this tremendous story, the best news in all of history. A Savior was born for you. A Savior was born for me. All of us. He's Christ the Lord. So let's, uh, let's grab our Bibles. Let's get this story and we'll get a little bit more maybe in our minds of what was going on at that time. Let's stand and let's read, starting at verse 1, the story of Christ being born. Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him up in cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn." In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom He is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then, and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry, found their way to Mary and Joseph, and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this Word, this truth. Guide us into further knowing this magnificent wonder of the incarnation of God coming to earth. In Jesus' name, Amen. First of all, the Messiah is born. The first seven verses. The timing of Jesus' birth is what we're focusing in on here. If we had been faithful Jewish people at the time of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we had been thinking about our nation Israel, we wouldn't have had too much positive thoughts about it. The heritage that has been there seems to have passed in a lot of senses. The high point of the nation's history is already gone, and you think of one of the greatest kingdoms in the Mediterranean region at that time of the time of King David. A thousand years before this, David was a great king. And there was another king after him, his son Solomon. And this was a time of great peace that they had. And so we had great kings there, a king of great wisdom, and all the kings of the East, other people from all around the, the world were coming to get this wisdom and to see how this worked. They came to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is now the capital of Israel, which really it kind of always has been. Just because other uh, countries don't want to admit that, that's their problem. Can you imagine some other nations that you can't have your capital there? We don't want it there in Jerusalem. It's in you know somewhere else, but not there anywhere, right? Well, the thing is, this has a lot to do with how prophecy goes down. <laughs> and so, anyway, I think it's an exciting time that we live in uh, before the time of Christ, right? But anyway, of His coming back. But Israel had suffered the division of the northern and southern kingdoms. The ten tribes were scattered. Then you had the southern kingdom, and that kingdom was conquered by Babylon, and it had become really a, a petty state of an empire, the Roman Empire, a great pagan Roman oppressor was ruling at this time these people didn't believe in the god that the jews believed in they weren't they weren't even theists theist means you believe in god a god they believed in many gods pagans believed in a multiplicity of gods not one true god they were very immoral they were very unspiritual pagans and they were ruling over the land at this time but we know the psalm writer in psalm 31:15 
says this, and this is what always gives hope to us, hope to us whenever we think about the world, its unrest that it has. And verse 15, it says 31, My times are in Your hand, God. My times. What I'm living right now, it's in Your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. It's a great psalm there, you know, speaking about God. You're the one who can deliver me. It's all in Your hands. Right? Sovereign God. And that's what you're seeing in here. A providential God who works through natural means, who also is a God of supernatural means, and He's doing that at this time. God knows the best season for sending help to His people, doesn't He? He knows when it's right to do what He's going to do and bring light to His people. So we can get over-anxious on things. And the people here were very anxious about what was happening in their world and all the events that was going around them. But the King of Kings is coming. Coming very quickly. And we see that Luke is delighting in this story that has already happened. Jesus has already been here and died and resurrected and ascended. Now he's putting all these thoughts together and all the delights that he has in telling Theophilus. Here's all the facts that have been gathered up there. And he's saying, guess how God is putting His sovereignty on display. Here it is. I write this down to you, Theophilus. Look at how God worked at this. And so we see that in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. So you have to think about Caesar Augustus. Caesar um, is a ruler is a king. Uh, you've heard the word Kaiser or Tsar. They're, they're all taken from, they're related to that word Caesar, king. He is Caesar Augustus. When you think of Augustus, you think of August. Uh, someone who is, can be very influential, maybe even domineering. He, the word um, that we have on the eighth month of our year, it's called August. It came from this Caesar Augustus. He was one of the greatest rulers of all time, Caesar Augustus. Matter of fact, he had a grandfather who was also Julius Caesar, and he, whenever uh, Augustus Caesar, before he became the Caesar, he was adopted into his grandfather's household. And Roman adoption means just like you're the son. So, And he would be in the line and he was. He became uh, king of the greatest empire at that time. The Roman Empire. This is the kind of situation that uh, is brought forth. Luke catches a hold of this, names the name, so we know about the time when all this was happening. This is historical. It's not made up. And so Luke is very accurate in his details, isn't he? Tells who was ruling at the time, gives us the, the timing of it, and uh, it's proven time and time again the truth of the scriptures. You think of archaeology that comes up and accurate historical accounts that Luke has in this gospel and in the book of Acts makes us appreciate this whole um, scheme of plan of God here. Um, the people felt like they were pawns in the hand of Caesar. It's a, it's a dark time for them spiritually. and The thing is, Caesar is actually a pawn in God's hand. He's the one that's going to be channeled like a river 
And God's going to use this Caesar to bring forth His plan that He has because Joseph and Mary live far away, all the way up in the area that would be that is Nazareth and Galilee. And the Scripture says that Jesus has to be born in Bethlehem. So how's He going to get them down there? This is the way that He uses this. This is the hands of the sovereign God, folks. God reigns. Take comfort. So the census involved here, a decree went out, and whenever Caesar Augustus, and he has power, when he puts forth a decree, that means it's got to happen, and it's going to happen now. Mary and Joseph didn't... It's like, okay, hey, listen, we should have an out on this because Mary's pregnant. And how's she going to make it all the way down there? Well, she has to be born. He has to be born. Jesus does at a certain time in a certain place. It's already been put forth, even the time that he is to be born. And so, this is what we have: this census coming about. There has been a census done before. Originally, Israel had been exempt from the census because they didn't provide soldiers for the Roman army. They really didn't fight uh, with them in the Roman army. Um, but also, um, we, we see that now it comes about that every nation in the Roman Empire has to report and pay their taxes. That's what this is really about. It's a census to know where these people are at, how many they have, and to bring in that, that tax money. So uh, the, the names, the population numbers, they gathered in this census the levying of poll taxes. And Jews came to regard this census itself really as a very distasteful thing for them to do. They hated it. They hated to pay taxes to a government that really shouldn't be there. But God used this and the Caesar Augustus was instrumental in bringing in the Pax Romana which was a peace all over the Roman Empire. If you know any history about the Roman Empire, the Pax Romana was an important vehicle for people to travel with as far as the roads were concerned. And this peace that they would have, and so there really weren't wars going on. When they were, they were stamped out by the the army. So that's a good thing. So the people were paying for uh, this peace and roads and such like we do today. Uh, But the... Israelites hated this whole thing about being underneath them and paying it to a pagan leader. There's another one um, mentioned here in verse 2. This is the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Now we get detailed. You have one great leader. That's overall. But there's a sub-ruler under him or sub rulers, this man happens to be Syria, uh, Syria's governor. And he has great power, but he's still underneath the reign of Caesar Augustus, but he is to keep peace, make sure that there are no uprisings in this area. So Luke takes up his name and shows who was there at that time. Historically, nobody can argue with this. this. These do line up and we can tell that this was right at the time of Jesus' birth. And uh, so I think that's rather incredible that Luke gets a hold of that, puts that forth. 
this was the place here of tribal origins that they were to go to. Each there were twelve tribes in Israel. They they still had people were in in tribes, and so these Jews are being registered and for taxation purposes you go to your home area where your line comes from. Um, They're going to go to Bethlehem or it's also known the city of David in that area, Jerusalem, Bethlehem. David being the king was born in Bethlehem. Uh, Let's get the meaning of Bethlehem. What does it mean? House of bread. And of course, there were. it was quite a granary in that area as well as raising sheep. And uh, so... They provided much of the bread from there because this is really speaking of the bread of life, isn't it? Jesus is born in this little town where the city of bread is from, the house of bread. So it doesn't matter whether you're pregnant or not. It doesn't matter if you live a long way from home. You've got to go there. The emperor says register, you do it. There's no if, ands, or buts. How about a little bit later? How about next month? No. You go. So the issue decree is there, and that's why the baby is born right there. Let's turn to Micah chapter 5, verse 2 in the Old Testament. And uh, this is something that is rather remarkable. tells where the Messiah is going to be born. We could have a story here without details. It just says, God came to earth. And then Christ is His name and He died for the sinners. And that could be it. Aren't you glad you have the truth of the Old Testament along with the Gospels and it shows forth so much special revelation of who God is. Verse 2, But as for you, Bethlehem, house of bread, Ephratah, there was another Bethlehem. This separates that from that. There was one in... Uh, up around Galilee. This is the one down around Jerusalem. Too little to be among the clans of Judah. That means Bethlehem is a very small town. This is Christ, the Messiah, coming to a little village. Why didn't He come to Jerusalem? Why didn't He come to the palace? That's the whole part of it. You see the... Matter of fact, do you see something coming from the very first verse, coming from a high peak as far as man is concerned, you have Caesar Augustus. Then the next one is the one underneath him who is the governor of Syria. And then next is Joseph. He's underneath his reign, the governor's reign. And then you have Mary. And women were considered to be very lowly at that time in that society. So, you have another one also, and that's Jesus. Do you see? It seems like to the world it's a condescension to a little baby. But you can turn that upside down. This is the king of the universe. Micah 5.2 It says in Verse 2, from you one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. So he's going to come from Bethlehem as far as being born. And he will rule. His goings forth are from long ago. He is eternal. 
This is a prophecy spoken long ago, isn't it? So they go from Nazareth to Bethlehem. No problem for God, is it? Roman emperor, governor of Syria, Jewish administrators say the best way to do this is to get into your tribes. Go to where your tribe's from. You ever gotten to places where you wonder why you've gotten into certain situations? Lord, why do you have me here? Why do you have me in Jeff City? Lord, why do you have me at this job? Why do you have me in this neighborhood? Wherever it is. Why do you have me in this family, right? Lord, uh, why am I here? I don't want to be here. <laughs> I want to be somewhere else. Joseph and Mary. They'd probably rather stayed in Nazareth, especially at that time. They've got to go. God can get you where you need to be. And so He does that very well, doesn't He? Um, we go back to Luke, and we see everybody goes on their way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee. It's going south, but it's up because you are ascending. It's called the Aliat. If you went to worship at the temple in Jerusalem, it would be the Aliat. Uh, he's going up. The, it's a high and lifted up area. Mountains in, in a, situ, a situation or big hills. It's from the city of Nazareth. So we get that detail from Luke. We know about that. To Judea. So that's in the Jerusalem area. Bethlehem is in Judea. To the city of David. By the way, they're from the they're both from the house and family of David. Both Mary, Joseph. They're descendants of David. You will see that in the genealogy in Matthew, the genealogy in Luke. And it proves that who they're from. And we know it goes on, gives a little more detail. The city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him. So they really haven't been married yet. They haven't had relations, but she is pregnant, ready to give birth. She was with child. That's what's supernatural about her, isn't it? So they didn't consummate their marriage until after the birth of Jesus. It's rather interesting, isn't it? That means, matter of fact, it does say in verse 7, we'll get to that in a moment, but she gave birth to her firstborn son. What does that mean? It means there's more to come. If it had been the only son, that's what that would have been said. And so therefore, that is a total misunderstanding when people will say uh, that there is really only Jesus was born from Mary. And she never had any children. But they are listed, I think, in Mark, Mark 6, I think, and also elsewhere. The, the names are given. Jesus is the first one listed. And of course, uh, you think of the book of Jude, that's a half-brother. And James is a half-brother. They're listed. So I think that's, that's rather fascinating. But um, here it is. 
that we have this. Uh, technically, they're still betrothed. It's, it's as legal as a marriage, but that consummation has not started. Verse 6, while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. The days were completed. God's timing. He has used Caesar Augustus. He's used Quirinius. Joseph and Mary have made their trip. She gave birth to her firstborn son. And so there we go. Uh, all through His life, Jesus was poor for our sakes. Look in the manner and the way that He has to come to this earth. And of course it says wrapped in cloths, laid in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. This is the God of the universe. And I think of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. I'd rather like this. We can identify this. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know His grace? If you're saved, you do, don't you? That though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor so that you through His poverty might become rich. 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 Rich in Christ. Rich as being adopted into the family of God. Now, He was not born under the roof of His mother's house born in a strange place here at an inn. He's laid in a manger. We know the manger is a feeding trough for the the animals, for the cattle. There's no room in the inn. What we're seeing here is grace here and His condescension coming from where He had been. This is a, totally an act of undeserved mercy to us, isn't it? He became poor as the poorest of mankind in the way that He was born and how He was raised up and lived as far as financial matters were concerned. He was lowly as the very lowliest. Boy, what a love. This surpasses knowledge, doesn't it? Wrapped up in claws. Strips of claws. They were used to bind a baby tightly. Also, it's, it kept the baby from injuring the facial skin. You know what I mean? Some of the times they have the nails and they just scratch them. There were real reasons for that, but the, they, uh, they would be wrapped up. Laid in a manger, like we say, a feeding trough for animals. No room at the end. Uh, there's a scholar, Kenneth Bailey, and he says that word there for in is kataluma, and it literally means guest room. It's a guest room and not a hotel. It's not the word for hotel or we think a holiday inn. It's not like they had holiday inns and Sheraton inns and whatever else, you know, in Bethlehem. When you think of it, it's it's laying it's lying outside of, of Jerusalem, just a few miles away. It's like, like Wardsville to Jeff City. I don't know of any hotels there in Wardsville or Taos. Uh, other uh, St. Martin's and Westphalia, right? And did I did I miss any? Oh, oh, oh. of course, Tipton. Now it's getting a little bit bigger there. They probably have uh, they have a motel there. Yeah, so we can't mention them. <laughs> Not small enough. I mean, Bethlehem is really really small, but this is a guest room. There's no place for them in the guest room in the Cataluma. 
Uh, and there would have been people that they could have stayed with. There were homes where people uh, you know, would actually be able to stay in. There would be a guest room. It would kind of be in that area. Well, there's not a... Um, not any room for them there because other people are traveling there too. Cataluma, guest room. It's an upper chamber of a house. It's uh, it's like a... It's not a... Uh, you know, it's a public housing. There's a different word for that. Um, matter of fact, if you'll remember the, the Samaritan and uh, the Good Samaritan and then, of course, the bandage of the wounds and such and he left the man there. There was another word there for in. And it wasn't Cataluma. It was actually a place where it was a public place to stay, a public lodging. And that would have been the equivalent to our Holiday Inn in that sense. Um, the word there is Pondokion which would be your motel, hotel, public lodging, an inn, not Cataluma. The guest room, Cataluma was prepared for people to stay if they happened to be traveling through somebody that they would know or take in. At least it would be very accommodating. It would uh, be the only room that would be remaining of the people that had lived in that little village there and there was no room there, so what do they do? Well, um, this, God had this all planned, didn't He? Had this all worked out. Uh, the manner of His birth. I, th- I think it's sheer irony uh, in His sovereignty of how He's doing this in providence. But the room remaining for them was like a front room. It was like where animals were put at and uh, it could be... And when we think of front rooms, we think of living rooms and such, but this would be... Most of the time you'd put your animals there at night if uh, if it were to be cold or you would keep them in, in a place like that because your animals could be stolen. Shepherds were... And they're going to be a part of this story, but shepherds were kind of seedy and they were known as thieves sometimes. So they would take them in a place like that if they could have them. Um, that was what the idea is. And they would have feeding troughs there stuffed with hay. And that's where Jesus is born. And so that's kind of an irony. Uh, this is power displayed in weakness here. Uh, just incredible. So we go to part 2, 8-14. through 14, And this is the shepherds and the angels. Like we say, this is to the shepherds. It's not to the priest. It's not to Quirinius there. Or the other rulers, Pharisees, Sadducees, and and on and on. It's to the shepherds, people who are not thought of well, not very highly at all. And an angel appears to the shepherds, lowly, 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 lowly people. They were not held in high esteem because they were not invited to give testimony in courts of law because they were known as liars most of the time. They were notorious liars and thieves. Not particularly honest people. This is who the shepherds, I mean, who the angels go to, these shepherds. They weren't even involved in religious services much of the time because they dealt with animals and sometimes they'd come, come into contact with unclean animals. Their animals, like sheep, is what we're talking about, would get attacked. There would be dead animals that they had to deal with. One thing they were doing, though, if they're around Bethlehem, most of those sheep were designated for sacrifice at the temple. 
very close. Great place to raise sheep. So they are shepherds who are raising sheep so they can be slaughtered. Especially at Passover time, they need to have a lot of sheep because there's at least a million or so people coming in. But the sacrificial system had to keep those sheep going always. So they did play a very important job. Um, We see that the angel of the Lord comes there, um, that He would come there at uh, this place out there in that field. What they say is something to be thinking about. You go, why... Why Jeff City? (laughs) Who is this who's been born? It's the Savior who is Christ. Jesus Christ. The Savior who is Christ. So we say here, verse 8, there were some shepherds staying out the fields, keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. The glory of the Lord shone around them. There's the glory, the bright, shining glory like the glory that you see in the Old Testament, a Shekinah glory that God is is giving, in that it is very bright. It's shown around them. And they were terribly frightened. So it's not just some kind of a bright (laughs) supermoon. We're talking brilliantly bright. And guess who gets to see this show? But they're terribly frightened. The angel said to them, don't be afraid. Behold, I bring you good news. The angel is speaking to them. Seeing this brightness, the angel is speaking. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. Right? Do you have joy about this whole story? This is Christ coming to our earth. Joy. It's for all the people. It's for the sinners. For today in the city of David, there's been born for you. He's telling the story. Real close to you guys in the city of David. You you might want to check this out. (laughs) You guys, go. He's Savior. That's Jesus' name. Who is Christ, Messiah, the Lord, which is God. He's the Messiah. He's the Anointed One who is Lord over all. He is Sovereign. He's God. He is Savior. Savior to mankind. Humanity. Lord, Deity, just wrapped up in that name. The Savior who is Christ. He's the Anointed One. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. The name of God. So we're going to verse 13 and 14 as we see that the sign is that we wrapped in claws lying in a manger. So they get that message. And talking about great joy, good news. And He's the Messiah. Would the shepherds know that? Oh yeah. Everybody in Israel knew about the Messiah. Are you telling me? You telling us the Messiah is being born in in Bethlehem? Suddenly, just like that, appeared with an angel a multitude of the heavenly host. There was one angel, and now you have so many angels you can't even count. And the glory of the Lord is shining about just for them. The heavenly hosts are praising God. And here's what they're saying. First word that comes out of their mouth, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among men. It's not the kind of, I just want peace. I want world peace. Peace, world peace. No. This is peace 
between sinful man and holy God. And He comes to bring peace through Christ. Christ is our peace. That's the only kind of peace we have. And and in, in the prayer this morning, that's what you're talking about. That kind of peace. If you know Christ, you have that peace. No matter what's going on around us, no matter what's happening to me individually, mentally, physically, spiritually, all the things we're going through, no matter what, we have peace with God. And He's sovereign. He can handle it. And they're shouting this, singing it, praising it. It says, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom He is pleased. This is for the sinner. What a plan. Now we close it out. We're going through a lot of verses real quick. You notice that? This is a hymn of praise though. This is God manifest in the flesh. By the way, these are armies of angels. It's the host of heaven. I'm saying armies. What's their message? What's the word? Peace. You hear about North Korea and all the things that are rumbling there. And of course in the Muslim world and all the terrorism that you just... You know, go on and on and on. What's happening? And we're going peace. I don't know peace that I know of, right? And the armies mean war. And these angels are the armies of heaven. And this is really where wars are happening anyway. All the wars that are going on, really it's more than just what man is doing. Angels and demons. demons there's a big battle all leading up to the battle of all battles, right? Peace is their message. Boy, they needed this news. This army of angels is far more powerful than any of us can imagine. They announced peace. So, because of that, how can they not go see this amazing event and just tell people what happened? <laughs> you couldn't. Help but do that, right? For 15 to 20, this is the shepherds visiting Jesus. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, you can imagine, they're just watching all of this. Shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then. Let's go now. Let's go right to it. No hesitation. I mean, this is obedience. Obedience is joy, isn't it? I mean, obedience is doing what God wants us to do, what is best for us, and it's best for them to go, and they do. They can't wait. Let's go straight to Bethlehem, see this thing that this, this has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They knew who the angels came from. This is all the, the doing of the Lord, right? The Lord is the one who told us this, and His the Messiah is here. So they came in a hurry. They got to be running. They got, they got to be more than just a little light jog. I'm sure they are hightailing it as quick as they can to get there. They found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby. You know, you're in you're in Bethlehem. It's not going to take long to find <laughs> find these guys. Uh, and they they found Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger, just as spoken about. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. They have no doubts. 
By the way, the word child is capitalized. It's referring to Savior who is Christ the Lord. It's not just another baby here. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. They are in awe. They're in amazement. Are you guys in awe of this story when you think about it? Are you in awe in the way that God has made this work? But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. We've seen that before, haven't we? Okay, I believe that this is the Son of God that I've just been given birth to, this privilege, the Son of the Most High. He's the Savior. How did these guys know about it? Oh, they just told how this happened. Or in Bethlehem. Oh, Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. <laughs> Somewhere in Micah, it said about Bethlehem. Hmm. It's a long way from home. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God. This is the long awaited Messiah. The promise is getting ready, it has now come true. It's happened. For all that they had heard and seen. They're witnesses. What does a witness do in a court of law? Tell what they heard. Tell what they saw. That's what they did. They're just witnesses. That's what we do. We just tell what we hear. Right? What we see. We see what God has done to our lives. We understand how the Word of God comes in and changes lives. We praise God because of that. They had a proclamation here. They were wondering. Mary's pondering. You have glorifying and praising. This is all in God's will. Just as been told them. This, folks, is the great news. This is the good news. This is the Gospel. This is the best news in the whole world, in the whole universe. There are very few people who believe this that live in this world. He said, few there be that find it. Many know something about it because of Christmas, but it's amazing that we still celebrate that time. I think it's a good thing. Because it's telling the world about this. And so there are people who don't believe in God and still yet they celebrate that day. Now, no matter how it came about, and it's through the Roman Empire and such, but it does give us the emphasis to understand that story. But now we're outside of the context of Christmas, and it can be even more meaningful. And so that's how it uh, runs in this story of Luke. We covered a lot of verses, but they just kind of go right hand in hand with each other as they lock tight. Thank you guys for coming out on this day of snow. As I look out there, it looks like there's really no snow on the um, the asphalt. Looks like it all melted. They take care of it good here too. I noticed they have trucks to come by and sold it out. Isn't that good? Yeah. It's great to know. Uh, anyway, thanks for coming out. And uh, hopefully everybody will be able to make it home safely. We'll have a communion here. And uh, I, I think that uh, we're okay. I'm glad we met today. I certainly needed it.
And I'm sure you guys did too. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, we thank You for this day. Thank You for this precious truth that it's old news, but yet it's always fresh and good news to us, Lord. May it become ever fresher to us in what You did in this, being the sovereign God that You are, planning it out the way You did. It was There was no other plan. This is how it happened. And so we can be boldly confident of how the Savior, our Savior, came to this world to save us from our sins. In the Son's name, the Savior's name, Amen. Amen. Amen.